0: bar is Aramaic for son. It worked as a prefix similar to the suffix son that you've heard in last names like Johnson, Robertson, and Nicholson. Back before the concept of last names, folks would say a little more about a guy when introducing him by calling him a son of his father. In Aramaic, you'd say Simon bar Jonah, John bar Zebedee, and other similar constructions. In scripture, there are also guys we only know by their patronym, like Barabbas, the criminal released instead of Jesus, and Bar-Jesus, a false prophet who must have been the son of somebody named Jesus, but not of THE Jesus. He didn't have kids. There was another Judas back before last names, and he was called Bar-Sabbas. Now, it's conceivable that he was the son of somebody named Sabbath, or something like it, but Sabbath is a form of the word Sabbath, which means Judas' bar name is more likely a nickname than a patronym. Like Barnabas, who was so encouraging a person that he was called the son of encouragement, was Judas such a Sabbath person that he was called the son of the Sabbath? Judas Barsabbas was one of a handful of people who are referred to as prophets in the New Testament. The first and last time we hear about him is when the leaders of the church in Jerusalem are writing a letter to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. The church's leaders are excited about the spread of the faith among the Gentiles, but they also need to address the misguided concern of some Jewish believers that the Gentiles aren't Jewish enough for inclusion. It's a fair question. Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism, so how Jewish do Christians need to be? The leaders pen a letter encouraging Gentile believers to continue in the Christian faith, but to avoid practices that would offend their Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ. And they send the letter with Silas and Judas Barsabbas. They deliver the letter to Antioch, and Silas continues to pop in and out of the story of the early church, but Judas Barsabbas returns to Jerusalem and is never heard from again. So the one and only time Judas, the son of the Sabbath, plays any part in the narrative is to act as a prophet and deliver a letter declaring the Gentiles to be full members of the Christian faith and brothers and sisters of the Jewish believers, even as they remain free from the requirements of the Old Testament ceremonial law, such as the rituals regarding working on the Sabbath. All of which is probably the most son-of-the-Sabbath thing a person could do. An Old Testament prophet would have needed to abstain from working on the Sabbath, Along with all the other ceremonial laws, with the eating kosher and the sacrifices and the cleanliness laws, an Old Testament prophet would have needed to keep the ceremonies of the day of rest. These laws pointed ahead to the coming Messiah. The eating kosher pointed to the separation between holiness and sin. The sacrifices pointed ahead to the sacrifice of atonement for sin. The cleanliness laws pointed to the constant need for cleansing in a people who constantly fall into sin. And the ceremonies of the day of rest pointed ahead to the rest that was coming. The rest from needing to do something about sin, the rest of the something already having been done by God, by the Messiah, by the Savior, from sin. A New Testament prophet, like Judas Barsabbas, gets to be free. Free to follow the ceremonies or to not to eat kosher or not, to offer sacrifices or not, to observe strict cleanliness or not. A New Testament prophet like Judas Barsabbas gets to be free to serve God and not worry about whether or not he is being Jewish enough. Because a New Testament prophet has faith in the Jesus who is the fulfillment of ceremonies. He is the removal of the separation between holiness and sin because he removes our sin. He is the once-for-all sacrifice of atonement. He makes us eternally clean. A New Testament prophet like Judas Barsabbas doesn't have to serve God the Jewish way. He gets to be free to serve God the Jesus way, by being free in the Christian faith, trying hard not to offend his brothers and sisters out of love, knowing that all his offenses have been forgiven in Jesus, and that freedom is rest. That freedom is Sabbath. There is nothing more, son of the Sabbath, than to rest from the have-to of the law and to enjoy the freedom of serving God out of gratitude and serving brother and sister out of love, and to encourage others to live in that same freedom, that same gratitude to God for the forgiveness won by his Messiah, that same love for our brothers and sisters who have also been forgiven. Also, been freed, also resting in the work that our Savior has done. Bar Sabbath would make a good nickname for any believer. It's an especially good one for a Jewish prophet who brought an encouraging letter to Gentile Christians. The Sabbath is a good place to find the connection between Judaism and Christianity and the overlapping focuses of the Old and New Testaments, it's a good place to find Jesus, the very Jewish Savior of Jews and Gentiles alike, and our eternal rest. And I are Dust and Breath, loved by God, bought by Jesus. This podcast is written and produced by me, Ethan Cherney, a Wells pastor serving our Savior Lutheran Church in Pomona, California. Get in touch on Facebook at Dust and Breath Pod, on Twitter at Dust Breath Pod, or by emailing dustandbreathpod at gmail.com outro music arranged and performed by Mr. Peter Shaywee, who is like silver purified in a crucible. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you could leave a review in iTunes or just share an episode on social media, I'd really appreciate it. It's the only way other people can find the show. Now go do what God made you to do. Be who God called you to be. Go see what God can do with dust and breath and faith in Jesus, his son.